This morning we want to uh, pick back up. A couple weeks ago we finished talking about vision um, and the importance of vision and vision being necessary to honor God. And we've talked about how we've been working through or we worked through a couple months ago back in August with the Institute of Biblical Leadership, establishing a vision and values for Dale Bible Church. And so now that we have worked through the vision portion, we want to look at the values. And, and so in other words, who are we and, and, and what do we value or what do we treasure? And so we're going to make sense of this hopefully. And today will just be, as you see, um, kind of an, an introduction, if you will, like the importance of values. And then after this week, over the course of four weeks, uh, we will take a week for each one and examine each value a week. And uh, that'll carry us to just short of Thanksgiving. And um, yeah, then we'll, I don't remember, if, I don't think we've made an announcement yet, but uh, if you are interested in being a part of a baby dedication service, uh, we're going to do that right before Thanksgiving. And so if your ears just perked up when you heard that, uh, you could fill out the connection card now and throw it in the offering plate and I'll get it. And, uh, but that's coming as we transition out of this and then into kind of the, the holiday season. So um, know that that is coming. But this morning we want to talk about values. We want to talk about the importance of values and the necessity of values in honoring God. <clears throat> And values, whether we know it or not, are an essential part of who mankind is and an essential part of what mankind does. Values are the foundation of perceptions, belief, and behavior. You see, the things that we value are the things that we are committed to. and They're the things that we are willing to stand for. We all have values, and we must also recognize that we do not all have the same values. So one of the things I want you to understand is every single one of you has things that you value. We all value things, something. And when I say things, I don't mean physical stuff, although that may be the case. But we all value things. But we don't all value the same things, right? Oftentimes our values are shaped by our life experiences, we value this because we didn't have this, or we value this because that wasn't our experience, or we value this because it was our experience. Our life experiences shape our values, who we are, how we've been raised, what we've been taught, for example. Those tend to make up what we value. So what are values and what do they have to do with us here at Dale Bible Church? Well, a value is defined as a principle, a standard, or quality considered worthwhile or desirable. It's a principle, a standard, or quality that is considered worthwhile or desirable. And combining where value comes from and what values are, we see that this is in short, values are who we are, what we do, and what's important to us, or what we Value. It was really kind of hard to talk about what we value without using the word value, but here we are. And so when we think of values as it relates to the church, there's a distinction that needs to be noted as it's very important. It's significant in terms of how it is that a church or any organization will function. Because there's personal values like we've talked about who we are, what we as individuals value that are shaped by our life experiences, that are shaped by maybe what we've had or didn't have. But what about organizational values? Because 
the organization has to exist with values, but if values tend to be shaped by our experiences, then what, what do we do when we talk about organizational values? And so with organizational values, again, we're just simply talking about the who, the what, and the why of an organization. So there are some consistencies between individual values and organizational values. And individual values, as we've seen, they happen organically. They just happen. If you grow up in a home, I will give you guys an example of this. My wife, is a, she's a very affectionate person. And she grew up in a very affectionate home. Okay? So therefore, she values affection. I did not grow up in an affectionate home. So when we got married for years and probably in some cases still do, we struggled and there was conflict between us because she needs more affection and I'm not very affectionate. Now, that doesn't mean that one of us or, or you know, one versus the other is wrong, right? Typically, values aren't moral. Necessarily, they can be, okay? But this is an example. Isn't it? It's not an issue of morality. It's just simply an issue of how she was brought up and what her experiences were, and therefore, there's something that she valued that I didn't. That's how individual values happen organically. But organizational values don't happen organically. They require explicit action to identify and then to align an organization with whatever the identified values are. And so because they don't happen organically, they have to be established through some kind of a process of determining. So how are we going to determine? What are the values of the organization? And there is a question that must be asked until this process happens. Until there is an intentional declaration and establishment of organizational values, here's the question that is asked. According to what values does an organization function if there has not been an explicit process in determining what those values are? How are we going to function, right? And the answer to that question is simple. It's going to function according to the values of the individuals, And as long as the values of the individuals are the same, fine. It works. But what happens when organizations grow and there's parity amongst people? There's different life experiences. There's different uh, values at place in people's lives. And when an organization grows and you have a larger makeup of individuals and individual values and no clear organizational value, what is the result? Honestly, it's wasted energy, conflict, and strife. Simply put, little gets done. Because there's this constant clashing of individual values. And so we've learned, we talked a little bit practically, right? You guys know I'm practical. Practically, values matter, and we're going to get to that. That's why we've worked with the Institute of Biblical Leadership. And that's why we're preaching from our pulpit these values for Dale Bible Church. Okay, again, this, this was all part of the same process where we worked with the extended leadership team of about 20 individuals, whereby we developed a vision and we have established these values. And so there's some things that we've learned just now, hopefully through a few minutes together, practically about values. But we also, and more importantly, need to know and understand that Scripture would teach us about values. And what scripture would have us to know as it would pertain to values. And so I want you to see this morning, we're going to look at three um, biblical realities 
as it comes to values and, and why these uh, why it's important to have values if we're going to honor God. And first of all, I want you to see, because values are who we are. Values are who we are. Turn your attention to Proverbs chapter 4, if you would. Proverbs chapter 4, it's a fairly common proverb. <clears throat> and Solomon writing for us in Proverbs 4, he says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Now in the book of Proverbs, the heart regularly refers to, excuse me, the center of one's inner life and their orientation towards God. Okay, so when we're reading through the book of uh, Proverbs and really Scripture at large, we talk about this, this reality of the heart. It's, it's referencing the inner being where which, where which everything we are and everything that we do as it would pertain to God flows from. And so it is from this operation center, if you will, that man does all of his thinking, all of his feeling, and all of his choosing. And if the heart is the center of who we are, and from it flows all of the things that matter when it comes to who we are and what we will do, what our heart is like matters very, very much. We all understand sitting here this morning physically the importance of our heart and what it does. At any moment, if our heart stops pulsating and sending blood through the rest of our body, making its way back into our heart where it's recycled, I'm not a doctor and I don't know how it all works, but I know that blood flows through our system and comes back into our heart. If that stops happening, we all know what happens. We die. The heart is very significant in our lives, okay? And it's just as significant in matters of, of biblical nature. Because our heart is literally from where everything flows. Everything about what we think, what we do, how we feel, and what we choose flows from this center. And so, biblically, if our heart is not right, or if our heart is not right, I don't really know how else to put it, if our heart is not right, then we're in trouble. Scripture talks about this reality of a, of a hard heart is phraseology that we would see throughout Scripture. We read about a hard heart. And nowhere in Scripture when we read of a hard heart is it a good thing. And just some examples. The religious leaders asked Jesus about a writ of divorce. They said, but didn't Moses allow for a writ of divorce? And what was Jesus' response? Yes, he did, because of the hardness of your heart, because of your refusal to hear what God was communicating, and in the hardness of your heart, your denial of truth, God has allowed this in matters of infidelity and adultery. Jesus was grieved, we read in the New Testament, by the hard hearts of people. Jesus even rebuked the disciples for their hard-heartedness towards his resurrection. They're gathered together in the upper room, and Jesus appears to them and rebukes them for their hard hearts that prevented them from believing what he taught them about his literal resurrection. Paul, 
He told the church at Rome that those with hard hearts that were rejecting God's word because of their hearts, that they were storing up wrath for themselves. Paul also told the church in Ephesus that it was not to function like the unbelieving Gentiles who lacked understanding. Why? Because of their hard hearts. The implications of a hard heart are real. And the implications of a hard heart are not only real, they're very dangerous. And so there's a reality as we think about values and we think about them being who we are flowing from our heart, okay? There's a reality that I think we have to acknowledge this morning. Our hearts are either soft and in tune with God's word or they are hard and not in tune with God's word. There's no middle ground. Your hearts aren't just okay. They're not just not as bad as someone else's. Biblically, you either have a beating, thriving heart that is in step with and desires God and the things of God, or you have a heart that is dead and is not beating and is in no way contributing to your pursuit of professed godliness. It's one or the other. And the reality is we've looked at is if our hearts are not soft and in tune with God and his word, we find ourselves in tough, tough situations. When our hearts are hard toward the things of God, we're more likely to value the wrong things and place importance upon things that don't deserve the priority. Instead of being in tune with God and hearing his heart and him working in our heart and aligning ours with his, right? Everybody knows Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, right? That means if you love Jesus, he's going to give you all the things you want. Pfft, nope. It means as you profess love with, for Christ and you walk in his statutes, his desires become yours. Your heart is softened to the things of God. And it's in those moments and in those times when we're softened to the things of God and our hearts are in tune with God, then and only then can we value the things that God values. Our hearts make up who we are as we think about this, concept, uh, this conversation of values. Did you know that in 2010, the average cost, this is in 2010, so 12, almost 13 years later, it's probably significantly higher, but in 2010, the average cost of a heart transplant was excuse me, $864,700, almost a million dollars for a physical heart transplant. And at the risk of sounding cheesy, I'm going to say it anyways. The most necessary transplant costs nothing. The most necessary heart tra transplant is received not through an exchange of monetary amounts, but through an exchange of one's will in, in submission to God's by faith, okay, to God's will, by faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God would say through the prophet Ezekiel that he will give you a new heart. And so I want you to understand something. You cannot value the things that God values if you do not know God, okay? And just because you do know Christ, just because you have trusted Jesus, still doesn't mean you're automatically going to value the things that God does. That's why we have to be in tune with God and his word. But we have no shot, zero, nilch, none, of valuing what God values if our hearts are stoned. 
And that's how they're regarded in Scripture. They're either stone or they're flesh, and they're beating, and they're vibrant. Our values come from what makes us. And we can't value the Lord if we've not been made new, if our hearts, if we've not received this spiritual heart transplant. It's important that as individuals and as people, that our values, they must align with God's word. And that begins first and foremost by trusting him for salvation and then by faith living according to his word. So if you, if you want to value the things that God values, you have to know him. And then you have to be obedient. You can't value what God values if you're living in contradiction to what God proclaims, right? And so, again, values come from who we are. And biblically, until we have a new heart, until we've been made new in Christ, our values cannot be pleasing to the Lord. So they're not only who we are, but our values are also what we do. Flip over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Jesus is teaching and... Again, it's a passage of Scripture we're probably fairly familiar with. But there in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus is talking about a tree and in it bearing fruit. And he says, The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Many times in the life of believers, we say things or we hear people say things like, the devil made me do it, right? We've heard these kinds of sayings before, these thought processes as it would pertain to the things that we do. But Jesus would say that what is in the heart is manifest through our speech and our actions, not through the coercing of the devil. So when you do evil things, it's because evil is what's in your heart. When you do things that are unpleasing to the Lord, it's because what's unpleasing to the Lord is in your heart. Our values shape what we do. If our hearts, as we've looked at, are hard and rotten, what we do will be hard and rotten. No apple tree has ever grown oranges. And Jesus is very clear here in his teaching about a tree and its fruit that a bad root does not produce a good fruit. And we understand that. But what I would submit that we struggle with a little bit more in the church today is the reality that if we have a good root, we don't produce bad fruit. That's a lot more comfortable for us, though, isn't it? To acknowledge a good fruit. I've trusted Jesus. I know Christ. But my fruit doesn't suggest that. But, I mean, Jesus is clear here, is he not? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The actions that you perform, the things that you say, the way that you feel, the opinions that you have, is they're rooted, is they're coming out and they're observed in our lives, ultimately they take root down here. This is where they come from. And I think there's a reality today where, I mean, God's word would teach this, right? That we're to always be examining ourselves. But sometimes I think we overcomplicate it if I can just be honest. We produce bad fruit because we got a bad root. We never consider the reality, or very rarely do we consider the reality that our fruit is bad because the root is bad. We want to ascribe bad fruit to anything that we can other than the fact that my heart might still be hard towards God. 
And if our lives are consistently bearing out things that are contrary to God's word and our fruit is not in line with God's word, we ought to ask ourselves the question, do we have a good root? Are we in step with God? Because if we're going to do the things that please the Lord, then we must have hearts that are overflowing with the things of the Lord. If our values are going to be in line with God and in line with God's values, okay, then we can't be operating from a disposition of bad fruit. We got two years ago, my wife thought it'd be a great idea to buy, uh, they were like this big, an orange tree and a lemon tree. And for two years, we've moved those stupid things in and out of our house and filled them with water and put them in different plants. And you know how many oranges and lemons we've got? Zero. Because it takes like seven years is what they say. So we've got five more to go. Maybe someday we'll get a piece of fruit. I'm over here considering that maybe the root is bad. That's why we're not getting fruit. But the reality is, guys, if we're going to, when we think about our values being and determining what we do, if what we do is going to be pleasing to the Lord, then we have to have that new heart. And, and we have to be cultivating that root that is a good root, right? It, because, again, it's, it got cold the last couple nights. And Friday night, my wife was gone at the ladies' retreat. And I meant to bring her lemon tree and orange tree inside, and I forgot, but they were still pretty green on Saturday, so we'll see what happens. But we did remember to bring them back inside last night. If we're going to care for the root that is our heart, okay, then we have to do it according to the things that please God if we're going to value what God values. Just like we talked about this morning in our men's study downstairs, you can't know God any other way than how God has revealed himself. You can pursue whatever avenue you want to, but if it's not how God has chosen to reveal himself, namely through his creation, right, through his revelation, his word, and through his son Jesus, then you're probably not going to know him. In fact, I won't say probably not going to know him. You're not going to know him. And if we want our root to be good and to produce good fruit and to value the things that God do, then we have to nourish our root. In his book, Influence, Dr. Robert Cialdini of Arizona State University relates the story of a jewelry store owner who was preparing to go on vacation and left tasks for her staff to perform. So he writes of this story in his book. She had a line of jewelry that had not been selling well, and she wanted the price to be cut in half. In her haste, however, to go on vacation, she left a note that was unclear. And when she returned, she was delighted to find that every piece of the jewelry was gone. She was, however, shocked to find that the staff had actually doubled the price of the jewelry. The pieces that hadn't been selling went out the door immediately once the price was raised because it changed the way people thought about them. Our thoughts determine our actions. What seems to us to be shocking and out-of-character behavior would be explained if we could see the thought processes that we had going on internally. We've all said, man, I can't believe they did that. I never thought that they would do that. 
But if we could see the inside, if we could see the rotten root that produced the rotten fruit, it would make a little more sense, right? And this is what Jesus is talking about. Out of the good treasure, that's the stuff that's in line with God, that has a heart that's been made new, we do good. And out of a heart that's rotten and wicked, we do what's evil. It's impossible to do rightly while thinking wrongly for an extended period of time. What is inside will come out. And if you want your life to be marked by righteous actions, you must think righteous thoughts. That is why Paul wrote in Philippians 4, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about the things that are worthy of your contemplation and consideration. Because what we do flows from how we think, and how we think is affected by what we value. If we want to act rightly, then we must think rightly. And to act right, your heart must be right. If we do not think rightly about God and his word, then we will not carry out values that are in line with God and his desires. Instead, we'll value things that we ought not value, and we will give priority to things that don't deserve the priority. And when my priorities are mixed up, I cannot be pleasing to the Lord. And so we must heed the words of Philippians 4 and focus on the things that are worthy of our focus. And then thirdly, we, their values are who we are, they're what we do, and they're what we treasure. Again, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Flip back just a few pages to Mark, excuse me, Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus' teaching here in chapter 6 is part of his Sermon on the Mount. But he says this, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, I trust this is a familiar passage of Scripture, right? What's Jesus communicating? Don't store up for yourself things that are not eternal. Because the things that are not eternal will not last. They will be tried by fire and they will burn up. Instead, store up for yourselves things that will last, treasure that will last. That is matters that are of eternal significance. But the nugget of truth I would submit we find here is in verse 21 where Jesus exposes the hearts of man. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You will value and give your time, energy, effort, and resources to that which you treasure. The things that you treasure or that you value will drive all that you do. And while Jesus is speaking in the sense of monetary savings here, the point of verse 21 can be applied to our lives as a whole. The things that we value or that we treasure are the things that we will devote our time, energy, and resources to. And the point is clear. 
If we value the wrong things, then a lot of time will be wasted and a lot of things that will drive us ultimately will come to find are of no eternal value. And that is the issue at hand when we consider our values as individuals and an organization. What is being done in our lives must be being done with an eternal perspective in mind, with a desire to store up treasure that is eternal in nature. So we must encourage and then pursue the things that have eternal significance. In the next four weeks, we will examine together four values of Dale Bible Church. And there will be other things that are valuable and you'll see come out in the lives of people and there'll be things that individuals value that, yes, we, we value as a whole, as, a, as an organization, and as a ministry. But one of the things that was amazing about that weekend that we worked with IBL was those who were involved, those extended ministry leaders that were involved, we had to do some homework ahead of time and we had to fill out these paperwork and we had to answer these questions and then we sent them into IBL. And when they came back, what they brought with them was the information that we gave them. Right? They didn't come with a canned approach and lay it down on the table and say, we think you should value this, 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 and this. No, instead, they led us both up to when they came and then when they were here through a process whereby we worked together where we told them what our values were. And then we agreed as an extended leadership team or as an extended ministry team of, I mean, it was clear When they put that up on the screen based on the responses of 20 individuals that they had compiled for us, it was clear what, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a pretty significant number. Again, this is an extended ministry team. Uh, There was clear the things that were valuable to the individuals that were filling out this survey that were in the line with one another without even knowing it that make up organizational values. And so that's what we're going to talk about over the course of the next few weeks the things that will drive what we do because they're who we are, right? Pursuing things that are eternal in value. And here's the thing about values that carry eternal significance. Even if the value isn't a huge deal or necessarily a primary value in your life, there's no need to kick against it because even though it isn't primary to you, it's an eternal value. And we should all be able to get behind values that have in a focus on eternity, right? That are pursuing eternal treasures. So even if we come to it, we say, well, that maybe isn't something that is significant or as important in my life, but I could see why that's important and why that's significant because it has eternal value. We, we can rally together, right? And we can support those values and we can work together to carry them out. If we're desiring the glory of God to shine through what we do, when it has eternal significance, then we can get together, we can get behind that which is eternal. Randy Elkhorn in his book, The Law of Rewards, Giving What You Can't Keep to Gain What You Can't Lose, says this. Too often we think of heavenly rewards as unconnected to our earthly actions. And our heavenly rewards are directly connected to our earthly actions. Because as Jesus has made clear, where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And Jesus also made clear that our actions flow from our hearts. Values make up who we are, and they make up how we function. 
and clearly expressed values are necessary for an organization to honor God. So with the help of God and the guidance of his spirit and his word, we've sought to establish values. And then those values will drive all that we do as we show the world that we are living them out with our perspective on not here, not now, but eternity. Our values are who we are, what we do, and what we treasure. And our lives are going to be a reflection of all of those things. And so over the course of the next few weeks, it is my prayer that as we look at these four values that we could all say, yeah, we'll rally behind that because that's valuable to the w- in, in terms of weight and the scope of the eternal kingdom of God. Because values are necessary for an organization to honor God. Because we can't just all function according to the things that we think are individually valuable or important. Because as we've noted, when we don't have clear values that we're all functioning as a whole towards, then there's a wasted energy and little gets done and accomplished. And if, and if little is getting done and little is being accomplished in the earthly sense, then we're surely not getting anything done in an eternal sense. So organizational values are necessary to honor God. But individual values that are in line with what God's word teaches about who we are, about what it is that we do, and about what it is that we treasure are just as important in our lives. Let's pray together. Father God, I just thank you this morning for the chance to just consider our values. God, to be challenged with the, just the idea of values in our own lives as individuals. And God, to, to think about what comes out our mouth and what our actions demonstrate, God, and to be challenged to consider that that's because they're coming out of our heart. And out of our heart flows everything that we are and everything that we find valuable and everything that we stand for. And, and so, God, it's extremely important, uh, God, that our values align with what your word would teach us. And, and so I pray, God, that we this morning would uh, just consider that first reality we talked about. God, our values cannot be aligned with yours. They cannot be pleasing to you, God, if we have not been made new, if we don't have new hearts that are received by faith in Christ. God, I pray this morning just for the, for the heart um, that is wrestling with this reality. God, maybe the heart that's hard towards the truth of your scripture. God, I pray that you would soften that heart and that you would um, just, just bring about real conviction. God, ultimately for the purpose of salvation, for the exchanging of a, of a dead, rotten heart for a live, fleshly, beating heart. And then, God, help our desires to align with yours. Give us a desire, a hunger, and a thirst, God, for your word. May we look into it and better know you, God, and know what your expectations are and know how we can function in a way that would be pleasing to you. And, God, we just pray that you would work mightily. And God, that as you do work mightily, we would be quick to give you the glory because you alone deserve it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.